Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Casey Callanan, and we have a very special episode for you today. I have with me George Avila. He's the VP of Mission Integration and Melissa Worm, Director of Patient Experience, and they are both with Christus Health. I'm going to welcome them now and pass the buck over to them just to have them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their professional backgrounds before we jump into our larger discussion today on the healthcare experience, delivering the best healthcare experience, and also COVID-19's impact on some of that mission work. George, I'll just have you start and then we can pass it on to Melissa. Well, thank you, Casey. Glad to be with you today. Just to give a little bit about my my context, uh, you know, my career started really focused on the area of community benefit. And so working with uh, community residents outside of the hospital walls to figure out um, what assets existed in the community, what health needs they had. So as a healthcare organization, we could best respond to that. At one point in my career, they said, why not take these skills now inside of, of the hospital and really look at how we can deepen the work that we do as an expression of our organization. And so uh, I've been blessed to be able to be in Catholic healthcare for the past 22 years of, of my life. And I've been able to really look at then how do we respond to, to those unique needs of people, not only outside our hospital walls, but inside our hospital walls as well. And so what I took as this working inside the hospital walls was new to me. I did use my past experience in the community benefit work. We do community health needs assessments. And so a lot of that is talking with people, listening to people and see what their concerns are. And so I was able to do that as well, not only with our own associates, our employees that were supporting the work, but also to be able to talk to patients and families that were coming to our ministries for care. And so that really helped me to really then look at then how we can best expand their their experiences or improve the experiences that they're having through our organization. And, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, I feel now more than ever we're called to, to listen uh, and listen very closely because we're all facing realities that we've never seen before. And so we really need to listen um, and really have that just-in-time information for our community of concern or the people that we're serving to make sure that we're responding in the best way possible, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but we're all growing along in this process. Thanks, George. And Casey, I've worked in healthcare for, gosh, nearly 20 years now. And before that, practiced as a behavioral health therapist. And it's been surprising to me how much my mental health background has helped in my efforts to support our associates and the experience of our patients and families during this awful life-changing time. As director of patient experience for Christus, I get to guide the work supporting the patient experience leaders throughout our ministry, as well as the chief nurses. And so incredibly valuable work and uh, even very challenging during this time. 
And I'll open this question up to both of you. And I simply want to know, before we kind of jump into more of the heart of today's discussion, you know, why is it that you love what you do? Well, I'm happy to, to start us off. My mom was actually a med search nurse for 25 years and ingrained in me the desire to support those who provide care. I knew it wasn't in me to be a nurse myself, but she came home from long days of work and talked about how hard it was to balance um, patient care with the documentation pieces and develop the heart for me to support those that provide care to patients. That passion is deep um, and strong. And my role in guiding the patient experience worker at Christus really helps me to, um, to manage that purpose that's so important in my life. And George, I'll, I'll put the same question to you if you have anything to add. Yeah, Casey, I'll uh, piggyback on that. And so I feel at the end of the day, when we're called to work in the area of, of healthcare, there's always this, this deeper meaning or this deeper calling to why we want to be part of this, this healing work. And in my role, what I get to do, and this is what I love to do it, is that I get to work with our over 46,000 associates to be able to figure out what is it about themselves that connects to our, to our ministry or to our organization. And so if you have a passion for doing work in the community, how do we connect with that? Or if you have a passion for clinical excellence, how do you connect to that element of yourself and see how you can contribute? I get to help people every day figure out what is it that that brings passion to my life and how is it that I want to help transform the, the area of healthcare. And so it's always an interesting Thing as people ask, well, what do you do exactly? And so I'd say, you know, I really help to build that culture of caring throughout our throughout our ministry and how we care for our community and also how we care for our own associates. I really appreciate that that insight. And 46,000 associates, that's that's incredible. And so I, I want to know, I mean, how please tell us about how Christus works towards its goal to extend the healing ministry of Jesus Christ with the 46,000 associates in mind. That's a lot of people. Well, and Casey, one of the things that I also wanted to highlight that makes us unique as Christus. So not only do we have 46,000 associates, we're also in four different countries. And so we not only have to extend the healing ministry of Jesus Christ in, in English, we get to extend it, extender el ministerio sanador de Jesucristo in Spanish. And so we try to make sure that people can, can connect with that and, and understand it. In terms of Christus Health and how we live out our, our goal to, to extend our mission, we always say we aim to heal people like, like Jesus would. And as we were even thinking of the name of our organization, our, our sister sponsors always say, wow, we just chose such an ambitious name because we could have been anything else that would have been a nice word, but we said, no, we're Christus, Christ in Latin. So we feel when you come to us, you experience Christ through us and we heal you completely. And so sometimes we just think, okay, well, you have a broken arm. Let's fix that, that arm, but we really look at how we heal you mind, body, and spirit, and really try to look at the whole person in a holistic and integrated way 
because sometimes it's not that broken arm that's causing you the, those issues. There's these spiritual elements that might be impacting you that until we address that, you know, your arm or your diabetes or anything else is not going to be able to improve until we really spend time and, and reflecting on that. And so we prepare our associates. We work very closely with them, as I mentioned earlier, to understand how do I connect personally, but we also say, how does to extend the healing ministry of Jesus Christ connect with you personally, even if you're not Christian, if you're not Catholic, and even if the word Jesus doesn't mean anything to you. So to extend the healing ministry of what? What relates to your own spiritual tradition or to your own faith tradition? Like I always say, we, you know, we, we welcome all diverse faith traditions and spiritualities, but we, we want to make sure is that we're aligned and that we understand our call to healing. I am going to shift the focus now more to what is surely on everyone's mind in this day and age, and that's the pandemic. And I want to get your perspective on this. So this podcast is all about starting conversations that can really better equip people to both receive and deliver the best healthcare experience possible. Um, so I, I want to start out by getting some of your thoughts on how the patient experience has changed throughout the pandemic. And Melissa, I'm going to start this one with you if you want to take it. Mm-hmm. Well, the pandemic has created an international nursing shortage, as we are all aware. The nurses and providers we have are overwhelmed and they're greatly fatigued. We know that operational aspects such as nursing shortages and overwhelmed care teams have a direct impact on the experience of our patients. We can't separate those things. And while patient experience remains crucial for us here at Christus Health, we made the decision over the past several months to place our immediate focus more on the safety of our patients and our associates and then to seek out ways to be creative and innovative with the patient experience. So not taking our eyes off the patient experience, but realizing as strained as our healthcare system has been, where is our focus right now? And it's all around the safety of people. I think looking at it from from my perspective, in terms of how we look at things, I feel in terms of the pandemic and what it's brought, I feel that patient experience and mission had never partnered so closely before because we really saw this um, mutual connection and try to deliver on the best possible experience. And I remember early on as we were discussing about how we would respond, you know, what's made this pandemic hard is that the work we do is all about connecting with people. And so it was hard to say, but you can't, you can't connect with people in person. You have to be six feet apart. You can't have the conversations because we were all afraid of each other, right? You might get me sick. I might get you sick. I'm behind this, you know, this mask. You can't see my face. And so we had to really think carefully and think about, well, how do we still try to deepen those, those connections with people? And so although we were separated by distance, we were separating by PPE, it really changed our work and really made it personal in the sense, um, you know, Melissa and I were talking about the things when early on in the pandemic, a lot of healthcare organizations were limiting visitors or not allowing visitors at all. And so our associates were that hand holding on to people's 
as they were receiving very difficult information about their loved ones. And several times it was our associates holding the hand of the person that was dying alone, that they weren't, they weren't allowed to have their family member there. And so we were there to hold their hand as they were transitioning to, to eternal life. And so it, it's changed. It's helped us to really think about creatively don't be afraid of each other and don't be afraid of, of innovation. We really need to look at how we can still maintain these personal connections. So, you know, we got really good at using iPads. We got really good at using iPhones and being able to, to do that. And so we still maintain that connection and that identity with that we have within our organization. We just had to do it differently and we continue to innovate until uh, this day. Thank you so much for that. It's it's really an emotional topic and it's it's obviously on the forefront of so many people's mind. And I really appreciate that, that feedback and that honest, candid talk. So I want to ask if you have experienced a lot of profound changes during different waves of this pandemic. We see the numbers and, and we see those those graphics of how you know cases ebb and flow. And so, you know, what are some of the themes that you've noticed and, and that you've had to address to equip your workforce and the, the 46,000 associates that we've mentioned in, in four different countries? Well, from a clinical perspective, Casey, we had to jump in right away with um, how do we help these 46,000 associates care in the best way in each of these waves. And from very early on, we uh, identified a crisis response plan that included, in terms of patient and family experience, a patient family action team that George can tell you much more about as he was pivotal in the development of that team. It was before my time with Priestess. Right. Uh, Casey, I'll uh, piggyback on what Melissa was was saying. Uh, We really wanted to make sure that we were going to be able to have conversations with with people. And so again, we developed this patient and family action, and I'll say associate team, recognizing that there was a lot of difficult conversations taking place um, throughout the entire organization. So work very closely with our patient experience team to develop a training about how we would be having these difficult conversations. Um, For example, how do you tell a a loved one that their family member is not going to make it? right? They're not going to survive. And what was very difficult was when there wasn't any visitation. Well, when I I saw them walk in, it's only two days later. What do you mean they're they're about to die? I don't understand that. While people weren't visually able to see what was happening to their loved one, we were still trying to understand the disease um, itself. And so early on, we knew that we needed to build the support system And knowing that our clinical folks were so impacted, we really looked at, so what were these fixed departments that could be able to provide this additional support that weren't providing the clinical care? So we relied heavily on our patient experience directors and managers, our vice presidents of mission, our chaplains, our case managers, social workers, to really be able to respond human resources, which they have great skills in having these conversations. So we said, how can we engage and have this dialogue uh, with, with patients and, and associates. And so that was one of the things that we did um, to be able to equip them and think more proactively in things that, that we've done. You know, one of the big things that is facing our workforce right now, we've been talking about compassion fatigue. And so as 
we don't know. We think, okay, we made it past one wave and there's vaccines. So we felt things were going to be addressed, uh, but things have changed, right? We have communities that are still vaccine hesitant, special populations that we need to be mindful to. Um, and so we've really seen that our associates, you know, that we have, I feel we have the best associates at Chris's Health, but after there's several peaks, of, of this pandemic, you start to think, when will when will this end? And so we're so focused on caring for others that we forget to care for ourselves. And so as an organization, we really focused on building resiliency and how do we help people um, help to refill that bucket that we say we have to fill our bucket, but sometimes you have only a drop left and you kind of need that drop for yourself right, before you can help others. And so we've really done a lot of work around grounding and connecting with our associates to really make sure and say, so what's your bigger purpose? Um, you know, why did you come into healthcare? Why did you ch choose the field of, of nursing? So we want people to understand that and try to connect with that and help to build the resilience because there's still a long journey left through this. And if Casey, I don't know if you've gone out to any healthcare organizations, but our caregivers are just very exhausted. And so we have to reconnect with them again. And Melissa and I were talking the other day, sometimes we think we have to do something grand. You know, it has to be this big, you know, celebration or we have to give our associates this big chunk of money to make them feel that they want to continue to come to work. And it's not that. It's about those personal connections. It's about saying, going on the unit and saying, thank you so much for all you're doing. We really appreciate the hard work. We recognize this is a difficult time. And thank you for helping us deliver on our mission. And so those are one of the strategies. We're actually forming a team now. We're going to call it our ambassador team, where we're at the system office, right? We're not, we're not treating clinical doing providing clinical work, but we're going to start forming teams where we start to go out to the ministries and support our leaders and our clinical teams and just saying thank you. We really appreciate all you're doing out there. And so that's how we hope to be able to, to support, uh, support our work. So just as our associates are, are extending the healing hands of Christ in their care delivery, from our supportive perspective at the corporate office, it is our role to extend the healing hands of Christ to our associates. I want to get back to more patient experience talk. What patient experience skills have you had to develop across your diverse organization in response to this pandemic? Well, goodness, our patient experience leaders have really um, dropped the roles that they've typically carried and have taken on different roles, for instance, um, educating visitors on donning and doffing PPE and managing the visitation process, as George was talking about, Christus identified very early on that our goal was that no patient would suffer or die alone. Therefore, we adopted and adapted a visitation policy that provided that every patient would have an essential support person. That requires a lot of monitoring and educating and managing in the acute care setting to make sure that people are safe, they're visiting safe, we're managing numbers, we're managing protective equipment. There are so many moving pieces. And those are roles that our patient experience leaders have to pick up at that time. The other thing, and, and one of the big reasons we're here to talk to you today 
is that many of our associates were placed in these positions where they were having to have conversations with patients and families about wishes should their loved one be approaching end of life or compassionate care type situations. These people have not been trained to have those conversations or may not have even been in a position to have those conversations before now. And suddenly they're in that role. And how do we protect them, support them, and give them the skills and tools they need to be successful in those conversations? I feel just really highlighting, uh, you know, the, the work that our patient experience team did because um, early on, and you heard a lot of organizations saying, we're not allowing visitation. And so as we reflected and as we discerned as a leadership team here at the system office, we we did say that we would not, we kind of felt it was cruel <laughs> to not let somebody have their essential support person with them at the time when they were suffering most. And so I know our CNO would say she'd be on these calls with other systems and they'd be, what? What are you doing? You created a visitation policy. And so we, rather than looking at the reasons why we shouldn't do it, we really looked at this is why we have to do it. This is how it's, it speaks to, to who we are. And Melissa mentioned early on, a lot of the questions was, were around safe safety. And so we said, you know, we have the we have plenty of PPE now. We have these great protocols that we've implemented to ensure people people are safe. And so now it's become, you know, I can't say that it's been a seamless implementation, but it has been something that we've consistently communicated and we've been able to see the, the responses and to be able to help people at least be able to have that final uh, final goodbye with their with their loved one or make their mom feel better because you know she wasn't doing well but that visit really helped to make that difference for them and so that's been largely to a lot of the work that Melissa really helped to advance throughout our organization and there was a difficult work but she's really put her heart and soul in making sure that this continues to to be a part of our ministry yeah and in difficult conversations and in communication um you know, these are all themes of, of this podcast, The Healthcare Experience Matters. And any other thoughts on some of the difficult conversations you've had to plan for during this pandemic or, or just with the patient experience during quote unquote normal times? Well, truly, COVID-19 has created an environment where patient conditions can change in, in very rapidly. Families are left wondering what in the world happened. We just left for lunch and we came back and our loved one is now intubated what happened. And that's what this virus is. So we're having to have conversations with patients and families about their wishes. Should their loved one go down that trajectory? They're not now, they might look fine, but they may go in this way. Let's have conversations about what you wish should that happen. And that's a tricky conversation to have, especially since oftentimes the people that are having those conversations, our associates, might not even had a chance to develop a relationship with that patient's family. And so suddenly they're having these incredibly intimate, empathetic conversations with people that they don't know. And it might even be their first time meeting them. And so what we have done with our patient family action team, with our patient experience leaders, social workers, case managers, and certainly our missions leaders is to help them have those conversations by giving them uh, developed training and tools for effective communication and difficult conversations 
In fact, the trainings we put together, we model from the spikes communication model that was first developed years ago uh, for palliative care physicians. And we found it a very efficient um, communication tool to, to help our associates be able to have those conversations. Uh, the training also involves sample language and it involves practice sessions and just helping them feel comfortable with um, these conversations. We also realize the importance, Casey, of preparation for those conversations and then debrief from those conversations in terms of the ongoing well-being of our associates. Casey, I feel one of the pieces that we've looked at, right, because again, who impacts the patient experience? Well, it's our associates. And so our associates have been struggling tremendously throughout this as well. And so I know I've had calls over these past 18 months uh, with several of our our caregivers to really understand um, what it is that that they're feeling. And so one of our chaplains, I visited a ministry Uh, a few weeks ago. And so part of our great partnership with our patient and family action teams and our peer-based review teams, they decided they're going to be communicating to families together when there's a difficult uh, diagnosis or prognosis for the loved one. And so our chaplain was saying, you know, I feel like I'm the bad, uh, I'm the bad news team. I show up to just deliver these bad news. And that's been really hard for me to be able to wrap my brain around it. And so we were able to touch base and say, you know, in this horrible experience that people are having, when you're hearing your loved one is not going to make it, what are those ways that we can help make and shape that experience? So at the end of the day, when they've had a month, a few weeks to be able to reflect on and say, yeah, that was very difficult to hear that, but I just really loved how the doctor communicated so gently and sat down with me or how the chaplain offered to pray for my family. And um, as we were going through this difficult information. And so where we were trying to really look at is that, you know, the field of healthcare, we're always so focused on, we must find the cure. And that's been very hard because we haven't been able to cure. But what we remind our our associates and our teams is that when we can't hear, we can heal. And so we're called to heal to extend the healing ministry of of Jesus Christ. And so that healing might be that positive moment that that loved one will remember a few months later, or we heal by helping this person be able to transition to to eternal life, right? Even though we, we can't, uh, we can't cure. And so it's been a little bit of, of turning that around and really looking at how we we reinterpret the, the work that we do. And so I know that that conversation was very meaningful to me and I could tell that our chaplain could then see, okay, this is, I am still doing healing work. I'm delivering not the best the best news, but I'm helping to, to heal this family in, in one way or the other. Absolutely. And I'm really curious about the consistency of the patient experience, especially during the pandemic. So how have you overcome challenges related to delivering a consistent patient experience? And I'm sure that is a challenge given the COVID environment. Yes, Casey, that's been um, in an area that I'm sure is impacting uh, healthcare throughout the entire country and, and throughout the, the world. And so 
I can't say that we've overcome everything and there's different things that pop up for us. Uh, it seems almost daily and we need to figure out the best possible way to address it. So one of the things that I feel we've always understood, but see this even more deeply now, is that our, our nurses are really the foundation of, of the work that, that we do. And so they've been challenged. We've been challenged as a healthcare organization to have enough nurses. And so we're even hearing now, right, 18 months later, uh, we have plenty of PPE. We have hospital beds, but we don't have the nursing personnel available or the clinical team to be able to care for, for our patients. And so one of the things that happened to us early on, Casey, is that we had to rely on help. We just did not have enough nursing. And so we had to bring in nurses from uh, contract agencies. I believe they call them RAC nurses that came into our organization. And so these nurses were coming from different places throughout the, the country. And so they had different experiences. They might have come from New York. They might have come from Washington from Colorado. And so we were, we needed them so quickly that they just would, you know, we'd give them, they would arrive, okay, hit the floor, you're ready to go. These are some safety protocols you need to follow. And so little by little, we started to hear that the culture started to shift on our, on our units. And so us at Christus, we pride ourselves on delivering on the Christus experience. And that Christus experience is aligned with our mission and our values, our values of dignity, um, excellence, stewardship, integrity, and compassion. And so the nurses would come and say, no, you need to close down all visitation. You're going to infect everybody because I was in New York and I saw this, I know better. And so they were impacting then our nursing teams. So then our nursing team started to act in that way. And so very quickly, we had a call with our regional chief nursing officers and our system chief nursing officer, Debbie Pasley, said we need to address this. So very quickly, I believe it was almost overnight, they said we need to develop a formal onboarding process for these nurses to understand you're no longer in New York, you're no longer in Colorado, you're no longer in Washington, you're at Christus Health. And at Christus Health, we care for people in this way, and these are foundational elements for us. So rather than just getting them on the unit immediately, we put them through a quick orientation process. So they understood that, yeah, things are going to seem strange to you, but we consider ourselves, we're a Catholic healthcare ministry. So we care for the person in a different way. We care for people, mind, body, and spirit. So when you want to keep the chaplain out and say, no, the chaplain can't come in to visit this person. No, part of our essential care, our essential workers are our chaplains that come and provide spiritual support to our patients. And so that was, I, I know we've faced other ones, but for me, that was one that really stands out and how really creatively people were able to come together and say, okay, let's address this before it shifts our Christus experience and it becomes God knows what experience, uh, but we reacted just in time. Of course, we want to give listeners some practical tips, advice, maybe something that they can utilize in their day-to-day. What are some practical tips you would recommend to leaders in organizations looking to elevate their communication response? And Melissa, I'll begin with you if you want to field that one first. You know, the first word that comes to mind for me, Casey, is transparency. Communicate often and openly. Right now, people are so hungry for information, but what they're hungry for are facts. There's so much information about, out there. And our clinical leadership here at Christus Health has been excellent 
and continues to focus on the science and the evidence surrounding the pandemic, surrounding the virus. Dr. Sambachi, who is our chief clinical officer, is passionate about helping our associates understand the virus and how we can best care for ourselves and our patients during the pandemic. He literally provides his direct line to associates to say, if you have a question about how we care for patients, how we're caring for you, about the vaccine itself, call me. I am here to answer your questions. There isn't any question that you can't ask me. It's that kind of transparency about facts and openness about um, being able to address associate concerns is what is, is helping us to continue to provide great care for our patients, supporting our associates in that way. And of course, we want to talk about some positives, some silver linings, lessons learned. What silver linings have you taken away from from this pandemic and how it's shifted things, and including obviously the the patient experience? So, what are some lessons you've learned? Maybe these things wouldn't have po- been possible. These learning experiences wouldn't have been possible without the pandemic. You know, I believe Casey at a very fundamental level, what this pandemic has done is stripped us down to a place where we are all feeling deeply human. And we've certainly blown up what we thought was normal in healthcare. And what I'm curious about right now is from this place, from this stripped down, deeply human place, how can we proceed to design healthcare experiences that better meet the needs of those we serve? I think we are completely primed, though still working through this pandemic, but primed to do things really, really differently, to be creative and compassionate and to take what we've learned from this deeply human space and make things right, make them better. Casey, I would add to what Melissa was sharing and and add that I feel that we've never had to partner so much in our lives as we had before. It's so comfortable to be in our silos sometimes. And although we say, yeah, we work together. No, we really don't work together sometimes. But as I reflect on, as I look at, okay, who are the people that I can't do my work with without, right? I have to build a culture that's rooted in our identity and realizing early on, I started working with patient experience with, with Melissa. I started working with, with human resources. We started working with associate wellness, uh, with change management uh, to really then look at how we partner with, with one another. And so we reflect and say, wow, we had never partnered so much before. And now what I love, I was sharing with Melissa, she might not be in a meeting that might be talking about a certain aspect of our experience, but maybe I am and I know her agenda. So now I can speak to and say, well, on our patient experience side, we're really looking at this. And this is where we really need to highlight. And so for me, that's been the greatest, one of the greatest silver linings for us that we've looked at. And then the other thing is just, you know, to be creative. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm not sure we need a formal plan. Sometimes we just say, well, let's just try it out. (laughs) You know, let's just try it out. Let's do that rapid, rapid improvement, rapid implementation and, and go with it and see how we're able to, to impact care. And I feel that it's been that rapid response that's allowed us to be innovative uh, we've used technology in, in different ways. Who would have thought, well, how can this phone feel personal? No, we can make a phone feel personal either way. What language do we use? 
How do we communicate with you in this process? And so I, I feel that it's kind of pushing us to that. And it's in a way, you know, it's shaking a lot of us. And sometimes you think, well, I'm going to do A, B, and C, and I'm going to continue on this journey. Well, now we have to do A, F, Z, X, Y, and put things in, in different orders. So I feel we're much more nimble as healthcare organizations now. And I hope that that spirit will continue uh, within our uh, within our organization, within our ministries, because it's really sparking this new spirit of, of innovation and how wonderful that it's, we're trying to innovate on how best to deliver the best possible care and experience to, to our community. That's wonderful that we're all coming around that. So I want to move on to any other final thoughts that either of you may have on today's topic. Is there anything that you think may be a value to our listeners that we haven't touched on yet? You know, Casey, I'll just reinforce something that I feel we started to focus so much on innovation and doing things differently. And as I feel as we continue to face compassion fatigue across our ministries, one of the things we need to come back to, and I would recommend to any leader listening to this at an organization, it's about being present. And we know that rounding on your associates, it's evidence-based. We know that people feel and will respond differently in employee engagement service if they feel that their leader is present. And so people are so thirsting connection uh, with with their leaders. They want to feel appreciated. They want to hear that thank you. So uh, I would just... uh, caution people as we're trying to think of what's that shiny, razzly, dazzly thing that we want to do for our associates, just be present. In this moment where we've been so distant from one another, I feel that we need to get back to this essential element of ourselves that sometimes we might not have anything other to give other than to just listen and be present, fully present to to that person. Yeah, George and other executives in our organization can often be heard saying, just get out and round just get out and around, go be with the people. What I would add, Casey, uh, in terms of final thoughts are that we are happy to network. We've developed tools and training for difficult conversations, effective communication in these horrible times. We're happy to share what we've developed. We're happy to network. We're cheering everybody else on. And just like each of you, we're looking forward to the day when we can all see the beautiful smiles behind the masks. We're all in this together. Folks, you have been listening to George Avila. He's the VP Mission Integration with Christus Health and Melissa Worm, who is the Director of Patient Experience with Christus Health. And I want to thank them both for today's discussion, which was emotional, helpful, practical, and really candid. And we do appreciate that. I know our Listeners will really appreciate today's discussion, and I want to thank you both for your time. You're welcome, Casey. A great pleasure, and and humbly very happy to be able to work with Mr. Avila. Thank you, George. Thank you, Casey, and thank you to uh, all the great patient experience teams out there that are helping to extend the healing ministry of Jesus Christ in any way that they can. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.